0: for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio.
1: It's also my pleasure to see to it the decent hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind
2: by a pack of money-mad pirates.
0: This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money.
2: Your source for Straightforward, no nonsense financial advice.
0: Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician,
2: America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna.
0: Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you're doing well. And thanks for taking time out of your day to join us for today's edition of The Financial Physician. My name's Lou Scatigna certified financial planner. We get together twice a week. We have the podcast Sunday morning and um, our podcast, Midweek Podcast, comes up Wednesday. More and more of you are joining us for the Midweek Podcast as well. Thank you for that. Hopefully you're doing well. Uh, It's uh, almost Labor Day. Could you believe it? Summer's almost gone. It's incredible how time is moving. Uh, Before you know it, it's going to be Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and we'll be in 2024 the next election year. Lots to talk about today. Uh, later in the program, we're going to talk about uh, the BRICS Summit this week. Uh, they're expanding and adding major oil-producing nations, which is a big kick in the pants for the United States. We'll go over that. Uh, more examples of banks behaving badly, um, being charged, uh, actually being fined for crimes against their uh, customers. Uh, did you know that this month, um Is chest feeding awareness month Yes that's right Chest feeding awareness month We're going to go over that Uh, This week was the Republican debate And the winner of the debate was The person who wasn't there Donald Trump Uh, Also uh, Donald Trump turned himself into Georgia To Fulton County uh, Where this outrageous lawsuit against him Is being um, uh, pushed Uh, We'll talk about that I will also talk about the mugshot for the ages, probably the most um, looked at mugshot in the history of mankind. Uh, And it's only been a couple of days. Um, Trump had also this week uh, an interview with Tucker Carlson, which I think is up to like 300 million views or something like that. The most watched interview in the history of um, the planet. Uh, We'll go over that. So lots more to talk about here on the Financial Physician. Let's get started talking about something that's so important, and it's, it is it is so important that it is the first chapter in my book. Uh, and my book's been around for 12 years, so actually 13 years. And it's The the Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. And book is available free. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com. You could download uh, uh, the PDF of the book. Or if you want to get a hard copy of the book, just email me, lou at com. Give me your address and we'll send you a, a free signed copy of the book. I pay the shipping, no charge to you for the book. Uh, I just want to get them out. I want people to have them. Now, when I wrote this book, it was really aimed at younger people in their 20s. People who were just starting off on their financial life. Uh, great book for young families, you just get married And it meant to, it was meant to be a very easy-to-read, uh, easy-to-understand book about the basics of finance And the things that get people into trouble, the mistakes that people make Now there was really 25 mistakes that I had, but the publisher made me whittle it down to 20 uh, but there's five more and maybe I'll touch on that, uh, on some other program, but the first chapter and the reason why people fail financially is financial illiteracy. And I write, you wouldn't sit down at a high stakes poker table in Las Vegas if you didn't know how the game was played. Of course you wouldn't, you will lose everything in a very, very quick amount of time. As a matter of fact, I did exactly that, um, Way back when, I'm talking maybe 30 years ago Maybe even a little longer I never really, I played basic poker But I never played hold'em or anything like that Uh, And me and a friend sat down at a poker table At the Taj Mahal Poker Room uh, And we lasted, I lasted I think 10 minutes (laughs) And I lost $100 I had put down on the table I didn't know what I was doing I'm a pretty good poker player now I love playing no limit hold'em And I play it quite a bit uh, but you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't sit down at a, a poker table if you didn't understand the rules. And the same is true with finances. Every day, millions of people do something just as stupid. They go through life without understanding money and finances. You know, we go day to day. We try to make ends meet. We, we pay our bills. Uh, we buy homes. We buy cars. Usually the wrong way. Hopefully we save and invest. And most people who invest don't even know what they're doing. And many fail financially. And it's because they don't know the rules of the game. And during our schooling, and this is a big problem with me, and I've, I've had this issue. During our schooling, we're taught all kinds of things we never need, especially nowadays, right? We're taught about gender stuff and critical race theory and how America is a horrible country. <sighs> We'll get on that later. But we're not taught the basics of life. And and one thing that we all have to deal with virtually every day of our life is money management. How we earn money, how we spend money, credit, taxes, home buying, car buying, insurance. I mean, these are life events. I mean, these are things that are going to make a big difference in your life. And you can do it right or you can do it wrong. And unfortunately, most people do it wrong because they don't know what they're doing. And my big problem is, why do we teach kids all this garbage they're never going to use in life and not teach them about one of life's most important subjects? Now, I have to admit, some schools nowadays are beginning to offer um, financial planning courses. Some are mandating it. Good. High school should be four straight years, should be a mandatory financial Uh, Planning or um, personal finance class I'd be willing to teach it And all teachers need to teach it is my book Because it's very basic, it teaches the basics Of investing, taxes, insurance, estate planning Credit, buying a car, buying a house But financial literacy or illiteracy Is the reason why most people don't accumulate wealth And it's why they make financial mistakes They fall into debt They can't provide for their loved ones. They jeopardize their future. And that's the reason why half of Americans are paycheck to paycheck. Actually, it's more than that. It's like 67% now. When I wrote the book, it was 50%. So we've made no progress there. And something like 48% of Americans can't come up with $400 for an unexpected emergency. A million people each year file for bankruptcy. And that's growing lately. So when it comes to finances, most people don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to figure out what they can afford. They don't know the best way to buy something, to invest, to save. They don't set up any goals for the future. Uh, And they struggle. And it's not hard to learn about the basics of personal finance. And, you know, I, you know I'm a financial planner for 40 years. Uh, people come, I, it blows my mind. To this day, it blows my mind. People come into my office and show me a half a million dollar 401k and have no idea what they're invested in. No idea whether the investments are stock market, bond market, what the percentages of equity exposure is what the risk is in the portfolio, and then they're surprised like a year like 2022 when the markets went down and they lost 30% of their money. Can't understand why. At the least, anybody who's an investor, which is almost all of us at some point in our lives, should know the basics about stocks and bonds and mutual funds, annuities, They must understand the advantages, the disadvantages, the costs involved for for each investment you have, like commissions, penalties, surrender fees, management fees. And most importantly, they have to know what their risk is. Let's talk about credit and debt. You know, when used properly, credit is great. I say debt's a four-letter word, but not in all cases. Other people's money can make you rich. An example of, of good credit or good debt is uh, low interest, fixed rate mortgages that you use to acquire an asset like property that will increase in value over time. Now, mortgage rates now are the highest they've been in 22 years at seven and a quarter percent. Maybe now's not the time to, to, to consider that good debt. But how many years do we have mortgage rates under 4%? That was free money, basically. So many people, they'll put down 20% of the price of a property and they'll borrow 80%. Now, of course, if you could use cash, that's always best. If you could borrow less than 80%, that's better, of course. But it's an excellent use of credit. It allows people who are relatively young that don't have a whole lot of savings to finally purchase their per- their first property. And after that, as you trade up, your equity builds in your property. You can continue to afford uh, bigger and better homes. Is that a smart thing to do for the long term? Probably not. But it's a way of getting started. Now, I say credit card debt is um, the worst debt you possibly could have. We all know that. It's cancer to the financial body, to use a financial physician analogy to use a medical analogy. And unfortunately, credit card debt in America has hit record highs as more and more Americans, because of their financial illiteracy, have no choice but to use plastic to get by these days. Inflation is, is eating away uh, our ability to, to feed our family, to fill our cars, to pay our bills. And unfortunately, the last um, place to go is credit cards. And I'm seeing more and more people who are coming to me and saying, "Lou, what do I do? I got twenty thousand in credit card debt. I got thirty thousand. I'm seeing fifty thousand. How, how how do you survive when you have just twenty thousand dollars at twenty two percent interest?" That's over $350 a month just interest alone, let alone starting to pay down the principal. And the goal in our life always is to be debt-free, right? Especially when we're retiring. But because of financial illiteracy, we're seeing more and more people as they enter retirement with debt. With little in the way of savings. Looking at Social Security to be their only income source. And they're looking at a dismal, dismal retirement. Let's talk insurance. I mean, we all have to buy insurance, right? Whether it's car insurance, health insurance, life insurance, home insurance. Uh, insurance accounts for 10 to 15% of our budget. I don't think people, most people realize that. Actually, nowadays, if you're paying for health insurance out of your own pocket, it's much more than that. And um, you don't have to be an expert on insurance, but you should learn the basics of insurance. Most people I see either have too much insurance or too little insurance, never just the proper amount. We're lazy. Uh, We don't do our homework. Most people don't shop around for the best premiums. You know, Geico was right with their commercial. You know, 15 minutes or more or less can save you on car insurance, but it could also save you on homeowner's insurance and health insurance. But the last thing most Americans want to do is go online and start shopping and comparing insurance policies. And many uh, Americans have the wrong deductibles uh, and they pay the, the wrong premiums for the wrong types of insurance. A good financial advisor could uh, look over your insurance coverages and say, wait a second, why are you doing this? Here's a better way to do it. Or even better yet, you could educate yourself um, and and figure out what's best for yourself. One thing all of us have to do is pay taxes, right? Can't get away from death and taxes, as they say. Uh, and most people are ignorant to tax planning how taxes work, how to avoid taxes, how to minimize them at least. Most people are so fearful of the IRS uh, that they have to pay other people because they don't know any better. They're fearful that they're going to do something wrong. And this is one of the things that I think um, hiring a professional makes a lot of sense. When it comes to taxes, I I, I tell people, if you do your own taxes – you have a fool for a client. Uh, taxes, a good tax accountant could save you thousands of dollars over your lifetime, more than paying for their fee. And also take the the, the worry off of you that, hey, am I doing this right or wrong? Is the IRS going to come up my butt? And now with 87,000 new IRS agents being hired, uh, more and more of us are going to be audited. So now more than ever, hiring a professional to do your taxes and advise you on taxes. Uh, and that's the thing about a good accountant. It's not that they can just do your taxes. They could advise you on things to do to minimize your taxes. And people do stupid things because of ignorance. I recently had a client came in for taxes, shows me a 1099R, which is from a retirement plan, a distribution from an IRA account for $25,000. And I asked him, what the hell is this? The guy was 48 years old. He goes, well, I wanted to buy a car uh, and I didn't want a car payment. So I took money out of my IRA and bought it. Big mistake. Didn't call me. Didn't ask me about it. I would have discouraged him emphatically. First of all, he's not 59 and a half. So he has a 10% penalty right off the top. He's currently earning well over $100,000 a year. So therefore, that $25,000 is going to be taxed at a high tax bracket. And it cost him roughly, I think we figured, almost 40 cents on the dollar, 40%. So now he had to write a check for over $4,000 to the IRS just so he didn't have a car payment. Pennywise and pound foolish. Also, if you understand taxes or you have a good tax advisor... You could invest in tax-deferred things like like retirement plans, IRAs, tax-free investments like municipal bonds, if it makes sense for you and it's not right for everybody. depends on your tax bracket. And the bottom line is it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, right? We have a partner in our financial life, and that's the IRS. And the IRS is going to be more intrusive in our life and wants more of our money. As the United States goes further and further into debt, our deficits expand, they're going to want more and more of your money. And you have to understand how to navigate the tax landscape. How about estate planning? Many people die without having a will or haven't done any estate planning. It's amazing. And I find older people, you know, you can make an excuse for younger people. Hey, I'm not going to die anytime soon. I don't really need a will or I don't have that much in assets. Although I tell people that younger people, especially if you have children, need a will more than someone who's older because in your will you name a guardian if something happens to you and your spouse. That's a big decision. Do you want some court making that decision? Who's going to take who's going to bring up your children? No, you want you want to decide and discuss with the potential guardian if they would do it. Very important. But if you don't have a will, boy, you leave your family one big mess very important to have a will. It's not hard to do. It's not expensive. You can go online. You could get a template, LegalZoom.com. There's so many. Just Google will templates, fill it out, have it witnessed or notarized as your estate requires, and it's a valid document. And just as we have to be financially prepared to live, we have to be uh, financially prepared to die. And many people don't want to face the fact that they're going to die sometime. They don't want to do their estate planning. They don't want to face their morbidity. But it's important to do. So, those are some of the big areas that we have to be concerned about saving, investing, taxes, insurance. Very, very important to do that. But it's also very important to have some kind of a game plan, a financial plan. Uh, And most people live their lives on the fly. If they could save some money, they do, but usually they can't and they don't. Most people don't say, I'll save $300 every month, put it into a mutual fund for the S&P 500 and that'll pay for my retirement. Why not? That's a plan. They don't put money aside for their annual vacation, so instead they charge it on high interest credit cards So you can't get to your financial destination Without having a roadmap You got to determine How much money do I need in the future How much income am I going to need in the future How do I get there I got 15000 $20,000 in credit card debt What's my plan for paying it down And how long is that going to take me So it's uh, very important to, to set specific financial goals for you and your family. It's important to write those goals down. And it's meaningless unless you have the discipline to achieve the goal. And in anything we do in our lives, goal setting helps us lead disciplined lives, in this case, financial discipline. If we have goals and we've written them down, we're more inclined to achieve them. And that's been tested many, many times. You write down a goal, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be financial. You're more apt to achieve it if it's written down. Now, realistically, all our goals aren't going to be achieved. That's life. But most of them, if most of them are achieved, then you're ahead of the game. Another thing that we need to do um, to be successful financially is to keep score. And what do I mean by that? Uh, is periodically, at least annually, put together a net worth statement. Very few people do this. Uh, and it's not hard to do. Maybe people are afraid to do it. They don't like what they're going to see. But a net, a net worth statement is a financial report card. It tells us where we are today. And we can compare it to where we were a year ago or six months ago. And it's not hard to do. Huh? You take a piece of paper on the, on the left side of the paper. You write all your assets, money in your savings account, money in CDs, money in your IRA, money in your 401k, the value of your home, the value of your car. The value of anything you own. Add them all up. At the bottom of the page, put total assets. On the right hand of the page, you put all your liabilities, which is a fancy name for debt. Who do you owe money to? First of all, mortgage. What's the balance on the mortgage? And what's the interest rate? Car loans. What's the balance on my car loan? What's the interest rate? Also, you want to put the monthly payment in brackets for your mortgage, for your car payments. Credit cards. This is the one that's the worst. And we hate to see it on a balance sheet, on a net worth statement. I hate to see it. Write down your credit cards. Write down your balance. Write down the interest rate. And when you see it, when you write it down... (laughs) Uh, It'll kick you in the face. And write down how much you're paying per month on it. And any other debt you have, student loan debt. Debt is debt. Just write it down. Total it all up. That's your total liabilities or total debt. Hopefully your liabilities, your debt is less than your assets. To determine your net worth, subtract your debt from your assets hopefully it's a positive number as i said and uh, that's your net worth so if you were to liquidate and sell everything you owned paid off all the debt you owe what's left in your hand now if it's not a positive number you're you're in a bad financial place uh and that means you owe more money than you own anything so you're insolvent you're bankrupt Does that mean you're done? No, it means that you have to do things going forward to reverse that. And that means paying down debt, saving money. Now, one of the ways you get to that, and one thing about the the net worth statement is that you compare it year over year. How does your net worth statement go up? How does your net worth go up? Well, one or two things or both. Your savings and investments rise in value. And you're paying down your debt. It's not complicated. In my book, I have a template here. So you could figure out your net worth. And a good time to do it is, well, if you haven't never done it, you can do it now. But on New Year's Day is when I do it for me and my family. But I pretty much know my net worth. I actually calculate it. Probably every six months. Now, it's a lot more fun to to do your net worth statement when you know it's going up. Uh, It's real easy. It's a pleasurable thing to do. But when your net worth is going down, uh, you kind of try to avoid negative things, right? So it's very simple. How does your net worth go up? Pay down debt. Save more money. Invest properly where your investments rise. Your home, everything else. How does your net worth go down? Just the opposite. Your investments are going down, you're eating up your savings, and you're going into debt. And unfortunately for most American families right now, their net worth is shrinking. We hear about it every day. Americans are tapping out their savings. They're uh, going into their IRAs and 401ks prematurely to get by. They're using credit cards and going deeper into debt. And unfortunately for many Americans, many of them that are approaching retirement, their net worth is going the wrong way. And one of the reasons why, you know, most of us have net worth issues is because we don't do a budget and we don't know where our money's going to. That's a common thing that comes up in my conference room with a new client. Coming in, they want to do retirement planning. They're in their mid 50s. Uh, we haven't saved much, Uh, we make decent money, but it doesn't seem like we're, we're doing much in the way of savings. Help me. All right, well, let's see where your money's going. It's easy to figure out what we make, all right, you know what your salaries are and everything, but where's the money going? A lot of people can't answer that question. As a matter of fact, a lot of people say right out, I have no idea where it all goes. Well, that's not hard to find out. List all your fixed expenses, how much you pay on your mortgage, how much you pay on your your insurance coverages, how much do you pay for your electric bill, your cable bill. You know, It's right there. How much is your car payment? What are you paying down on credit cards? Well, you, yeah, you'll see where all your money goes. And just like the net worth statement, you know, top of the page you write all your income sources. That could be... Salary, interest, dividends, rent, if you own a rental property, anything that comes into your life, the bottom of the page, list all your expenses, total both up, total all your income, total all your expenses. Now with income, you have to have, you know, you have to put down after tax income because remember, we were just talking, it's not what you make, it's what you keep, right? What you bring home. Total up your income sources, subtract your expenses, and hopefully that's a positive number. But unfortunately, for at least half American households, that's a negative number right now. Meaning we're spending more than we're bringing in. And that only leads to one thing, debt. If we're spending less than we're bringing in, that leads to one thing, savings, investments. You see, people, these things are not complicated. You just got to know the basics of it and be disciplined. And one of the ways to do that is stay up to date on finances and the economy. Pay attention to the economic reports that that come out in the media. Now, you know me. I've, I've said for, for many, many years, long-term listeners to the radio show, I don't trust any of the government numbers anyway. They lie to us on everything. But you'll get the gist. Is interest rates going up? Yes, they are. Is inflation going up? Yes, it is. Is it 10% or 6%? Well, that's not as important as to know that it is. And and things are always changing. And when they do, they provide money-making opportunities for those who see it coming. And those who are prepared to act. So follow the news and finance. Listeners to this program, well, you're already doing that. Because every, every podcast we do here now twice a week, we spend the, the first half of the show talking about current events when it comes to the economy and money, and we talk personal finance. Second half of the show, we talk about politics, which is also finance because it all affects everything. Once in a while, I get an email from somebody, oh, you're supposed to be a financial show. Why are you talking about what's going on in Washington and politics one has nothing to do with the other. Absolutely it does. It has to do with your tax policy. It has to do with your health care. Uh, it has to do with inflationary policies. So don't say that what happens in, in politics doesn't affect you, uh, your money. That's, that's totally the opposite. And uh, one of the things that we really need to do to be successful financially really is to, remember what your mother and grandmother used to tell you? Don't spend money you don't have. I never bought anything until I saved up and was able to buy it. Well, those are rules to live by today. But unfortunately, we uh, are not patient. We want what we want when we want it. We have the ability to get credit and buy today what we can't afford. Uh, And that comes uh, and catches us later on down the line. Um. So what do you do to gain financial literacy? You know, there's plenty of books and publications on finances. Uh, and a lot of people think that reading books on finances is boring. It's hard to read. It's financial ease. Well, I'll start with my book. It's not boring. It's not hard to read. It's easy to understand. People have told me who picked it up, say, I read it in a whole one sit- one sitting. That's how easy it was to read. As I said, keep up with the financial news. Nowadays with the internet, it's not hard to go to different websites, Yahoo Finance, CBS Market Watch, and just read the stories of the day. You can take courses. I mean, it, there's a, there's a wide gamut of courses available in colleges and universities, community college, adult education programs. I mean, there's plenty out there. There's also plenty of YouTube videos and YouTube channels on finance. And find a financial advisor that you could trust, that's experienced and well-versed on comprehensive financial planning. Best bet is a certified financial planner. Be careful because a lot of advisors out there aren't advisors at all. They're sharks. They're salesmen. They want to put you in an annuity because they make an 8% commission without any concern for your financial benefit. Be very, very careful. So for most people right now, the things we're living in, the crisis that we're living in now is a wake-up call. It's forced them to pay more attention to their finances and to be concerned about their futures Hopefully, people are becoming more frugal, more goal-oriented, and most importantly, more financial literate so they can achieve these goals. And look, nobody's going to force you to do it. It's totally up to you. And uh, your future depends on it. So start today. And again, my book's available free of charge. Just go to financialphysician.com. Just download it. If you have... Young, you have children who are getting married now They're in their 20s, or early 30s Get them a copy of this book Again, it's free of charge I'll send you a hard copy, signed I'll pay the shipping That's how important it is to me To get this information out Or again, just give them a link to thefinancialphysician.com And the book, it's really beautiful when you download it It's really nice um, Better than any Kindle book I've ever seen Uh, and, uh, share it with them. That's a gift. Uh, the best gift you can give, uh, young adults in your life. All right, let's take a quick break. My name is Lou Skatigni. You're listening to the financial physician podcast. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Argentus Advisors.
2: Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-68721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top-quality work at the most Affordable rates.
0: Recently, somebody asked me, Lou, what's with that uh, commercial you're running about, the sewer and septic company? Uh, and to be quite honest with you, that's my son Matthew's company. Um, I'm very proud of him. He's built a really nice business um, in three years. Uh, he worked in the industry for a long time. and wanted to go off on his own and um, started from scratch and and built a very, very successful septic and sewer business. And uh, his customers love him uh, and he's very reliable. And I highly recommend if you need any septic or sewer service, um, he's the guy to call. He's he's a good kid and uh, people love him. And I think you'll find his services uh, as professional as they come. All right, let's get back to the financial physician, we get together again Sundays. Or we op- we upload this Sunday program by nine a.m. Usually by seven, and our Wednesday program is uploaded by four o'clock in the afternoon. If it's not up at four, it's going to be up somewhere before five. You know, you know. I'm running a financial planning practice, so uh, in addition to producing uh, three hours worth of uh, podcast each and every week, so it's a Quite a bit of work to get it all done, but uh, I I endeavor as best I can to get the Wednesday show uh, up by 4 o'clock, and so far, so good. We've been able to do that. So join us for our midweek podcast, because uh, not everybody who listens to the Sunday show listens to the midweek show. It's just a matter of habit, I guess. You're used to Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, the podcast is available, you listen to it going to church, or you listen to it having breakfast with your spouse, or whatever it is, kind of a tradition for you. Uh, and the Wednesday show is a little different, uh, but it covers the same things. Uh, we talk money markets, politics, as we do on this program, uh, and things that I talk on about on uh, the Wednesday show, I don't recover it on the Sunday show. It just would be redundant for those of you who are going over. Uh, but right now, we're about, I don't know, 55% of the people who listen to the Sunday show, we get as many downloads of the Wednesday show, but hopefully more and more of you will listen because I cover some important things. Uh, on the midweek podcast, just as we do here each and every Sunday on the main podcast. Anybody wants to get in touch with me, very simple. Just send me an email at Lou at the financial com. Lou L O U at the financial com. Something you want me to cover on the show, personal finance question you have that I can help you with. Love to help our listeners. Uh, or you want to send me a link uh, to a topic or an article that you think I should know about and maybe report here on the program love all your emails I answer each and every one if I don't I just didn't see it send it again uh, and some some emails wind up in my spam folder and I got to be more diligent in looking at my spam folder to see if, if some of those emails went there but uh, I see almost everyone and I love your emails many of you have great comments about the program uh, some very very um, Good suggestions about things I should cover, and I get a lot of links uh, to articles and topics from you guys, and I appreciate that. And m- many of it, m- much of it, gets it makes its way on the program here. That's Lou at thefinancialposition dot com. If an email won't work for you, and you'd rather just give me a call and have a conversation with me, uh, my phone number at my office is 732-905-8100. and I offer a free comprehensive one to one and a half hour consultation with any of our listeners. Uh, we go over every aspect of your financial life or a specific topic that, that that's affecting you now. I had a client in this week. They inherited some money for the first time in their life. They need a financial advisor. So we dealt with that. Other people are getting close to retirement and they want a full review and they want a full plan of action. Some people come in, they have tax issues that, that they need done as an accountant, obviously I I'm available to help with that. Some people are coming in because they're at the end of their lives and they want to make sure their estate plan is complete and correct. So uh, it's up to you what you need from me. Uh, But again, we'll spend an hour, hour and a half together. You won't get a bill from me. Um, And uh, certainly, you know, the goal here is for you to become our client. Uh, And uh, so many of my lists, my my entire client base actually came from the, the radio show and now the podcast. I mean, That's the way I built my business. You you listen to me on the radio. If you have comfort uh, with me as a radio talk show host and personal finance advisor, uh, you come in uh, and uh, i love to make you a client, Uh, whether it's a tax client, an investment client, financial planning client, uh, love to do that. And that's the process. Come in, we'll have a comprehensive review, and then you decide whether or not, we decide together whether or not it makes sense for us to go forward together. Um, as uh, as your planner Now I've been mentioning to you for For years and years and years That the government data uh, is always circumspect And is always to be taken with a grain of salt And uh, the one stat that comes out each and every month Is the monthly payrolls report And that comes out the first Friday Of every month For the previous month And the Bureau of Labor Statistics Or the Bureau of BS uh, Will come out with a number of how many jobs were created In the month or lost As a result of people hiring Or firing And it seems that over the last year or so Year and a half The numbers have been significantly higher Every single month than economists' expectations Sometimes extremely above Economist expectations Which always tells me there's something wrong here with these numbers And every single Data point In economic numbers that have been coming out from the Biden administration Ends up being revised lower eventually And that's what they do They'll come out with a headline figure The economy created 350,000 jobs in July And then in November, they quietly revised it down 100,000 jobs. And that happened again this week, is that they lowered previous payrolls 306,000 than previously reported. Now, you won't hear that on the financial headlines, okay? You don't hear about the revisions; You only hear about the headline number when it comes out. And Biden comes out and says, Bidenomics is working. Look, we hired 300,000 people. I've created more jobs in history. So um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics confirmed what I've been saying for much of the past year, that hundreds of thousands of U.S. jobs were nothing more than a figment of the imagination of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Obviously politically motivated. And you're going to see more of that In an election year, of course. And it goes with the GDP. It goes with new home sales, uh, existing home sales. They're all fudged. And it's not just the Biden administration that have done it. I think they're doing it more than previous administrations. But all administrations that I could recall do fudge these numbers. And it's so easy to do with the the jobs number, because all you have to do is play with the birth-death model, which is the number of jobs that the Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates were created by people starting new jobs, uh, new businesses, or in the cause of death of businesses when businesses are closed. And they pull a number out of thin air, and in many cases, it's most of the jobs created are the the birth-death model, which is no there's no stats on it. it. There's no way of determining that. How does the Bureau of Labor Statistics know how many small mom and pop businesses were started last month? How do they know? And how do they know how many people each one of those businesses hired? They don't. And now this is the first revision of the first six months of jobs. Uh, There's going to be a second revision in November uh, or December. And and I I expect another revision Six hundred or 650,000 jobs to be eliminated uh, or revised lower. Again, without any fair fare whatsoever. So, again, uh, we give you these job numbers. We give you economic statistics. Do I believe the the GDP was up 2% last quarter? No, I do not. I just don't see how that's possible, given what's going on in the economy, with inflation, with interest rates. With the housing market, I, I just don't believe it. Call me skeptical. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but I just I just don't believe it. Let's start off with today's banks behaving badly topic. Actually, it should be banks behaving criminally. Uh, topic. Uh, it seems that a week or two doesn't go by where we don't hear about another uh, fine. That the big banks on Wall Street are paying for some nefarious behavior uh, Fraud against their customers, rigging of markets Let's start off with uh, this headline Wells Fargo, one of my least favorite banks Actually my least favorite bank, no, no J.P. Morgan Chase is my least favorite bank But Wells Fargo is number two uh, They agree to pay a $35 million fine To settle federal charges that the bank overcharged advisory fees The SEC said it charged Wells Fargo's Wells Fargo Clearing Services and Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network for overcharging more than ten thousand nine hundred investment advisory accounts, more than twenty six point eight million dollars in advisory fees. The SEC alleged that Wells Fargo and its predecessor firms overcharged certain clients who opened accounts prior to 2014 for advisory fees through the end of December 2022. So Wells Fargo. It's also accused of ripping off investors by failing to adopt and implement written compliance policies and procedures reasonably designed to determine whether the billing systems it adopted contained accurate data. So they're overbilling their clients. You know, typically advisory fees would be like 1.5% of assets per year. Uh, obviously, they were putting a couple extra digits on that. And again, these banks—they never admit or deny the allegations. They just settle. So they agreed to pay thirty-five million dollar penalty. The world's fourth largest bank—I didn't know they were the fourth largest bank, but they are—also agreed to reimburse affected account holders approximately forty million dollars. Now, Wells Fargo is not new to charges and fines. If you recall few years ago they were charged what was a billion dollars or more they were opening up fictitious accounts for clients they'll open up extra credit card accounts and charging fees to these to these clients i mean outright fraud and i hate banks they hate me um i tell people so often on this program i wouldn't have my Life savings in any of these major banks. You gotta be you really gotta have your head examined. If you're gonna have your life savings in one of these banks, especially these this day and age, you're nuts. They don't pay you anything. They take your money and gamble with it. Or they lend it out of 22% credit cards to some some schmo that can't afford to buy tires for his car. And uh uh, we keep, we put our life savings in there So they can give us a fraction of a percent And, and possibly close their doors In a financial crisis uh, And then they will defraud their customers You got to be nuts Well here's my least favorite bank J.P. Morgan Here's the headline Two former precious metals traders At J.P. Morgan Chase was sentenced today for engaging in fraud, attempted price manipulation, and spoofing as part of a market manipulation scheme that spanned over 8 years, involved tens of thousands of unlawful trading sequences, and resulted in over 10 million in losses to market participants. Grace Smith, 59 of Scarsdale, New York, was sentenced to 2 years in prison and a $50,000 fine. Michael Nowak, 49 of Montclair, New Jersey, was sentenced to 1 year and one day in prison and a $35,000 fine. The quote, the defendants use their positions as some of the most powerful traders in the worldwide precious metals markets to engage in an egregious effort to manipulate prices for their benefit. Now, there's been talk in the precious metals market that manipulation has gone on for 25 years there. And I've said it all the time. I watch it every day. Every time the precious metals start to go up, boom, out of nowhere, they get knocked down. I see it all the time. Yeah, people, the financial commentators are saying, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. That's not true. Well, here's another example of the markets being rigged. And this is not the first time J.P. Morgan has been convicted or settled uh, a case regarding precious metals rigging and manipulation. And that's what these banks do. Banks, Wall Street investment banks, are the mafia. They're organized crime. And we see it all the time. I was hurt recently. I have a, a significant investment in a tech company. And apparently, big Wall Street banks have been shorting smaller companies naked shorting them, not borrowing the stock and selling them, basically counterfeiting shares and pushing shares down. And that's how you make money when you're short. You sell it at a dollar, you push it down to 30 cents, you buy it back at 30 cents, and you make 70. But you're stealing money from legitimate investors who own those stocks. And apparently this is something that, that's a big deal right now. It's going on with, like 500 companies that these Wall Street firms are are, are breaking the law and regulators are turning their heads the other way because the regulators are the executives and retired people from these firms. It's unbelievable. But there's example, example after example of Wall Street committing crimes to enrich themselves and defraud investors. And nobody does anything about it. And I'm not going to be complicit in this. I'm not going to have my money in a Wells Fargo or a Chase Bank because now I'm enabling this. And at the same time, they're not paying me any money. I can go to U.S. Treasury money market that's guaranteed, can't fail, and get four and three quarters to 5% right now. Why, Why would I want my money in a CD or a savings account in one of these banks? It makes me angry because they're part of the club and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing ever happens to these people. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase. How much billions of dollars has his company settled? And by the way, this money comes from shareholders, but they don't care because, you know, JP Morgan makes 100 million dollars committing rigging of a market and they pay a 20 million dollar fine. Well, it's the price of doing business. And you hear about this all the time on Wall Street. They settle with the SEC. They don't admit it or deny um, any wrongdoing. They they settle for a fraction of the ill-gotten gains. And it goes on and on and on because there's a revolving door between Wall Street and the SEC and the Treasury Department. And rarely is it fully prosecuted. And, you know, again, Jamie Dimon worth a billion dollars, gets his bonuses and his Multi-million dollar salary Never is penalized For his company's crooked behavior It's unbelievable it Must be nice to be in the club You know, Some of these Wall Street trading houses Don't have one day That they lose money How is that Not one day does a trading desk ever lose money In a Goldman Sachs For an entire quarter 70 days of trading I wish I could trade like that. Well, it must be nice when you have inside information, you front-run trades, you rig markets. It must be nice. And nothing ever happens to these companies. But you have the power. I mean, look what's happening now. The silent majority are voting with their pocketbooks. Whether it's the woke agenda, i.e. Bud Light, Target, Disney. People are voting with their pocketbooks. We could do this with banks too. Take our money out. If you have more than your checking account at any bank and you have a significant amount of savings, go see a financial advisor and get it out of the banking system. There's other alternatives. There's other safe alternatives. There's other alternatives that will will give you a much better yield. And from a moral standpoint, it's the right thing to do. This week was the Summit of the BRIC Nations, which stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Uh, And they uh, talked about a lot of things. They talked about basically dethroning the U.S. dollar as a means of trade within their economies. And that's huge. Now, some were speculating that they were going to come out with their own currency. They're not not at this stage anyway, Uh, but it's very clear from their statements that uh, they want to get away from the U.S. dollar. They believe that the United States has too much influence, uh, and by trading in their own currencies and getting away from the U.S. dollar uh, will be a big step to getting out from the thumb of America. And they're right in that regard. We've called all the shots. Uh, We were able to export inflation to them. They needed dollars to... uh, transact oil business and so forth. And uh, those dollars are going to wind up coming back to the United States. Uh, If they don't need dollars to do trade, then where's those dollars going to go? They're going to go back to the United States and fuel inflation in our country. So uh, this is an incremental step, uh, but it's a big step nonetheless. And I think most Americans, it was underreported in the news. I didn't see it on any mainstream news uh, at all. I saw a mention of it on... um, Fox Business, but it's it's not a big subject right now. But in geopolitics and geoeconomics, it is a huge subject. Also, they voted to allow in six more members, Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, and Iran, and Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. All right, so there's really significant Uh, Notes here that we need to take on this Saudi Arabia and uh, the United Arab Emirates Obviously oil producers Huge oil producers um, Which is now joining the BRICS alliance Now you've got to understand The way Russia and China see this As an anti-Western alliance So it's pretty concerning When you have major oil producers Especially the the top oil producers Saudi Arabia Now joining with Russia and China And Iran Uh, Talk about bedfellers Um, Iran is also obviously an oil producer and certainly an enemy to Israel and the United States, uh, and they were welcomed in to the BRICS. Uh, That should uh, make your um, your radar go on right there. Argentina uh, is joining Brazil, uh, two large economies in South America uh, in the Western Hemisphere also joining, and there's 40 other countries uh, right now that have made an application to join them. So this is, this is a big deal It's pretty historic And uh, it will Have adverse effects on the United States And, and especially by having uh, Three uh, of the world's biggest oil producers Russia is one of the biggest oil producers in the world Russia, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia And to a lesser extent Iran uh, You basically got OPEC Moving towards Russia and China Big deal Uh, But more importantly is that they're going to move to bring in more and more countries, more and more percent of the world GDP uh, under the BRICS umbrella. And ultimately, they're going to be using a currency backed by commodities and gold. And why this isn't being more reported, I don't know. But it is big. And they're trying to just end the United States reign as a superpower, at least a financial superpower. And, uh, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, in the past, when anybody tried to get away from the U.S. dollar, they died. <laughs> uh, ask um, Libya's Gaddafi. He was trying to get away from the U.S. dollar. Look what happened to him. But there's nothing we can do about that. The dollar has been the world's global reserve currency for about eight decades now. But really, oil in many ways, is the real-world the real world global currency. You know, the world consumes 100 million barrels of oil every single day. And you know the 6,000 products that are made from oil? So oil is a big deal. And that's why it's so important to understand that, you know, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, joining with Russia and Iran, that's a good portion of world oil production. And as Biden's destroying our oil industry and energy industry, we're going to rely more and more on imported oil from these countries. What if they turn it off like they did in the 70s? Those of us who are old enough to remember the OPEC oil embargo. There were shortages of oil. You could only get gasoline on odd days or or even days based on your license plate. The price was skyrocketing. A lot of... um, Gas stations were empty, and we'll probably see that again. Also, those excess dollars that, you know, was going to Saudi Arabia from all the world buying oil from them, they were recycling it into U.S. Treasury bonds. So that money was coming back to the United States in the form of we were borrowing it. And it was a big source of us financing our deficit and our debt. That's going to go away now if they're trading in local currencies. And it's so important because the U.S. dollar would have collapsed a long time ago on the weight of our our deficits and our debt. The only reason it hasn't up to this point is the world's reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar and the need for foreign countries around the world to have dollars to transact trade. And that's being chipped away at every day. And this is a big, big step going on. And most Americans have no idea what the bricks are or the importance of this. And it is huge. And um, Vladimir Putin, uh, obviously the R in the BRICS, uh, was pretty clear in his statement during the the summit. Uh, He said that um, Putin underlined the bloc's ongoing move away from the U.S. dollar. The objective, irreversible process of de-dollarization of our economy, economic ties, is gaining momentum. And efforts are being made to work out effective mechanisms for mutual settlements and monetary and financial control, Putin said. As a result, the share of the dollar in export import transactions within the BRICS is declining. Last year, it amounted to only 28.7%. So he goes on to say R5, meaning the original BRICS, has rightfully established itself in the global arena as an authoritative structure whose influence in world affairs is consistently strengthening. We are against any kind of hegemony, I always always have trouble with that word, hegemony promoted by some countries for their exclusivity and based on this postulate of new policy, the policy of continued neocolonialism. So basically, he's talking about the United States and the hegemony of the dollar, meaning it is all powerful around the world and the most important currency. So they're moving away from this. They're saying straight out that that's what they're doing. And I'm going to keep an eye on it because more and more countries are going to be joining the BRICS. And when they uh, come out with a commodities-based currency, which they will, they're just not ready to do it now, um, I'm going to want to own that currency. Certainly, I want to own that currency over the U.S. dollar. It's backed by nothing. And so will the rest of the world. And uh, that day, I can't even imagine. There's something called... Uh, what is it called, Sandman, Project Sandman or Operation Sandman, where they're all going to get away from the dollar on the same day. They're just going to come out with an announcement that we're no longer trading in U.S. dollars. And boy, that's going to be an interesting day for financial markets. Certainly going to be an interesting day for precious metals, which will skyrocket that day as the dollar collapses. But, you know, Americans, as I said, are ignorant uh, to these things. Pay no attention to it. The media hasn't really said anything about it. They're too busy covering uh, Donald Trump and his indictments uh, to cover something as, as, as significant as this, at least from an economic standpoint. And as I said, even the financial channels weren't making a big deal out of this. But people in the know and know what this really means, economists and, uh, and, and certain financial people uh, are out there saying that this is a, an earth-shattering development. And we'll see as more and more countries decide that they don't want to be part of the crumbling West financial system, which is indeed crumbling because all the currencies in the West are fiat, meaning they have no backing whatsoever. So um, this story is not going away. I'm going to keep an eye on it. We'll also continue to report it here on The Financial Physician. I think it's one of the biggest financial things that have happened geopolitically and geofinance um, since the Bretton Woods Agreement that made the U.S. dollar the, um, the world reserve currency after World War II. On Thursday, President Trump was booked again, fourth time in three months in Democratic jurisdictions um, as the election interference continues. And uh, one day after the Republican debate, which he didn't take part in, we'll talk about that in a second, but it's really outrageous what's happening in America. The weaponization of the justice system must be stopped. It really must be. Now, of course, the Democrats in Fulton County, Georgia, which is Atlanta. Here we have a prosecutor in one county prosecuting a past president of the United States, current frontrunner in the current presidential race next year. Uh, where does it stop? I mean, how many counties are there in the United States? 6,000? Are you trying to tell me that any prosecutor, any DA in any of these counties could prosecute a federal official, ex-federal official, and interfere with an election? The Republicans don't have the guts or the Castanias to do it because that would be wrong. (laughs) But the Democrats don't care about being wrong. They never did. And justifies the means. That's all they care about. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the law. They don't care about the long-term ramifications of weaponizing justice in, in the United States. And, uh, so they insisted on taking a mug shot like they did with Giuliani and everybody else and releasing it to the press. Not that Trump cared because he released it anyway. Came back to Twitter for the first time, what, in two years? And posted the picture. Now, the picture was perfect. Uh, It is a picture of a defiant man who looks pissed at what's happening to him and what's happening to the country. Uh, And I thought it was a perfect picture to use, use an adjective that uh, Trump likes to use. It was a perfect picture. And it conveyed a lot. And by the way, last I looked, uh, there was something like 250 million views on Twitter of that picture. People are walking around with T-shirts with it on now. So it's a badge of honor for Trump supporters and MAGA supporters and only solidifies his popularity with his followers, at least, or his base. But I'm telling you, um, we had a debate with the also-rands, terrible, terrible ratings. Nobody wanted to watch it. I watched it just because I need to know the stuff for you and I have to comment on it. but it was a bunch of lame also-rans. None of them have a chance of being president or being the Republican nominee—a zero chance. Uh, they might as well called it the the vice presidential debate because that's what they were doing. They were they were auditioning for a possible vice president run. And uh, something like 11 million people watched it on Fox. And uh, so what did Trump do? He's a political genius. What did he do? Why the debate was running? Tucker Carlson aired uh, an interview with him. Now, this interview, last I saw, was almost 300 million views. 300 million views. We're talking a couple of days. I saw it on Twitter. I, I watched it. And if you want to watch it, it's easy to do. Just go to Twitter and and search Tucker Carlson. You can watch the entire, I think it's 45 minutes or close to an hour. It was an awesome interview. And here you got Trump, the political genius. Why does he want to be at the debate where everybody's going to be taking shots at him? You got Fox News who hates him and wants anybody to be the nominee but him. Uh, Why does he want to do that? He's up by 40 or 50 points. The race is over. You know what should happen? All these, if if these people care about the party and care about the country, which they don't, they just care about their own political future, they should all jump, drop out of the race, back Trump 100%, call out the Justice Department and the Democrats and Biden on everything they're doing. That's what they should be doing. Not talking about, oh, we can, you know, America's in decline and we need to do this and Biden and that. Come on. There's only one real topic right now, and that's a weaponization of the justice system and uh, the persecution of, of political opposition. This is what happens in third world countries. It's the number one issue right now that they should be dealing with. And this is what needs to be done. This has to be stopped. If this isn't stopped now, we've lost our country. First thing the Republicans need to do is impeach Joe Biden. They got to start that process after everything he's done with the bribery and everything, and now using his Justice Department to get his son off of major crimes and sick them on Donald Trump, not once, but four times. Don't tell me this isn't all coordinated between New York, Georgia, uh, and uh, Jack Smith, it, and, and the Biden administration, and Merrick Garland. Also, Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland need to be impeached. All these people need to be impeached including Mayorkas, who's opened up the border. Next thing they need to do is, Congress has the power of the purse. Defund these agencies that are out of control until they they put in the proper personnel that will follow the law and the Constitution. They should also stop all judicial appointments. Do not approve anybody because all that's going to happen now is Biden stacking the courts with these radical left-wing judges who don't care about the Constitution. So, you know, they, better, they better, better stop it because, you know, Trump wins next time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter the first time, right? The Justice Department were going after him when he was president. It's because the deep state is exactly what it says. It's deep. These are people that are in agencies. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who the president is for those people who are sitting on the bench right now that have been appointed by Obama or Biden. They're radicals. They're communists. And they don't care about the Constitution. Thank God we have a conservative Supreme Court. That's the only backstop we have now, and you can't count on them all the time either. This is the number one issue in our country right now is the weaponization of the FBI in the Justice Department, against conservatives. Whether it's parents, at school board meetings, Catholics. uh, it's, uh, It's out of control and it needs to stop right now. And Republicans need to unite. They're a bunch of wussies. Everybody, every single Republican in Congress, running for president, should be calling out this travesty of justice that's going on now. It's their own party being attacked. But they hate Donald Trump so much that they won't do it, and they don't realize what's at stake here. And meanwhile, every day uh, Biden is destroying the country, and uh, you got these seven or eight, whatever they were, Republicans going after each other. It's 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 totally ridiculous. Now, in um, Tucker's interview, he asked them some really pointed questions, and, and and Trump's answers were very interesting. He asked them uh, that, hey, they're going after you. They've been going after you for years on this and that, impeachment, this, indictments. Are you afraid of being assassinated is basically what he asked them, which was a pretty amazing question, and I want you I want you to hear Trump's answer.
2: So so the reason I'm asking you is I'm looking at the trajectory since 2015 when you got into politics, yeah. you know, for real, and then one— uh, there, it started with protests against you, massive protests, right. organized protests by the left, and then it moved to impeachment twice, right. and now indictment. I mean, the next stage is, is violence. Is, are you worried that they're going to try and kill you? Why wouldn't they try and kill you, honestly?
3: Uh, they're savage animals. They are people that are sick, really sick. You have great people in the Democrat Party. You have great people that are Democrats. Most of the people in our country are fantastic, and I'm representing everybody. I'm not just Republicans. I represent everybody. I'm the president of
0: everybody. I tell you, it tells you the state of our country when we even have to discuss the potential of Donald Trump being taken out, assassinated by the deep state. For it even to be discussed tells you a lot of where we are in America right now. And it's not a good place. And I'm telling you, I agree. I've been saying it on this program that if they can't get him out, they there's no way the deep state will allow him to be president again. And that's why you see all these indictments and this persecution going on, raiding his house. When meanwhile, Joe Biden, the evidence is just so high that he Committed high crimes, bribery, influence peddling, treason, but they're going after Trump. So which goes goes to show they'll stop at nothing to make sure that he's not president again. And uh, hopefully he has good security, but if they want to take him out, they will. Uh, Political assassinations have been done in this country before, and if they want to. So, you know, Trump running again. He's not doing it for himself, I'll tell you that, because he's giving up so much to do this. It's costing him over $40 million in legal fees so far or more to come. And he wouldn't have been charged with any of this if he wasn't running for president again. Everybody knows that. Uh, so he's got nothing to gain here. He's been president. It's on his resume. He could say he was the president of the United States, the 45th. He doesn't need to do it again. But he feels he's doing it to save the country. But did you notice one other thing he said in that clip? He said, I am the president of everybody. He didn't say I was the president of everybody. He didn't say I hope to be the president of everybody if reelected. He said I am the president of everybody. I don't know if anybody caught that, but I did. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting. Let's let's listen to more of um, Trump's interview uh, with Tucker Carlson, the most watched interview of anybody in the history of the world. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> in two days, Tucker Carlson, who has been fired from Fox, doesn't even have a job in uh, traditional broadcasting or traditional media, uh, is um, interviews Trump. It has almost 300 million views in just two days uh, and counting, uh, and it is the most... Watched interview in the history of mankind. Let's listen to more. And he talks about Biden here and his incompetence and his frailty.
3: Because crooked Joe Biden is so bad, he's the worst president in the history of our country. I don't think he's going to make it to the gate, but you know, you never know. But he's a corrupt person, so corrupt that I took the name off Hillary. You know, I don't do two people at one time. I took the crooked Hillary and I made it. I retired the net. It was a good day for her. I bet she was very happy (laughs) and I used it for Joe because it's Crooked Joe but Joe is really but
2: you don't think he's going to make it to November of 20 well
3: I think he's worse mentally than he is physically and physically he's not exactly uh, a triathlete or any kind of an athlete you look at him he can't walk to the helicopter he he walks he can't lift his feet out of the grass you know it's only two inches at the White House right that's not a lot but you watch him and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks so, and then you see him on the beach where he can't lift a chair. You know, those chairs are meant to be light, right? They're like two ounces. Yeah. You lift them up. He can't lift the chair. He can't walk to the chair. And I, I don't know what they're doing with the beach. You know, this beach is seeming to play a big role, but they love pictures of him on the beach. I think he looks terrible on the beach. He looks terrible on the beach. Skinny legs. Well, he can't walk through the sand. You know, sand yeah. is not that easy to walk through, but when he walks through it, he can't walk through the sand. And there's somebody in there that thinks he looks fabulous at the beach. I think he looks horrible at the beach. Plus, the beach doesn't represent what the president's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to be working.
0: Now, the indictment regarding January 6th is so ridiculous because it's a free speech thing. It's uh, trying to get into somebody's mind. And he's accused of absolutely knowing he lost the election uh, and even so tried to overturn it. Now... If anybody's ever heard Trump talk about the election, it's pretty obvious that he doesn't believe it was a fine election and he lost legitimately. He doesn't believe it. And they're going to try to make a jury believe that he believed it, which how do you do that? I don't know. Uh, It's so ridiculous, the premise in the first place. Uh, But Trump believes wholeheartedly to the core of his being that his election was stolen. And he's absolutely right. How do you go to bed? Election night, winning Florida, Ohio, Iowa, uh, up by 180,000 votes in Pennsylvania, up 160,000 in Georgia, uh, and wake up the next morning and it's all turned. After they stopped counting, which never happened before in the history of America. Uh, I don't want to litigate the election again, but uh, in my heart of hearts, I know it was rigged. I know it was stolen by the deep state who's going to do everything they can to steal it this time. They're trying to do it through election interference right now. I'm sure they got all their ballot harvesting and Dropbox all set to go. I'm sure they got their their truckloads of of fake ballots ready to go in all the swing states in the democratic cities that are always used to overturn elections. Uh, But this is what Trump had to say to Tucker Carlson about the election being rigged. And you tell me that he he doesn't believe this was stolen from him.
3: They ran in 16 election in 16... And there was tremendous spirit. Uh, In 20, there was even more spirit. We had many millions, we got millions and millions more votes. You know, it wasn't even a contest. People said, well, what would you think of 20? I said, we did much better. We did. You got to base it on the number of votes. We got many more votes in 20 than we did in 16. But the election was rigged. It was a rigged election. But, and with COVID, they used COVID to cheat a lot of different things. And we have so much on it. It's like so easy. But we had judges that didn't want to look. We had people that didn't want to get involved. she's a conspiracy theorist if you say anything about the election. But I have never seen spirit like there is right now. Even coming down here, just the people on the road that are just absolutely going crazy. And the reason is, I think they like me and I I know they love my policies. I hope they like me too. You know, a lot of people say they don't like me, but they like my policies. I think they like me.
0: Sounds like a man who thinks the election was rigged, (laughs) if you ask me. uh, There's no doubt in Donald Trump's mind uh, that he feels this was stolen from him. How a prosecutor is going to prove what he was thinking was the opposite of that. uh, It's going to be impossible. But getting a conviction is not important. Uh, It's messing him up, interfering with the election, keeping him in courts all around the country during campaign season. Uh, That's what it's all about. Uh, they all know that even if a jury convicts him of any of these charges, on appeal, they're going to be thrown out because they are so flimsy. Uh, but just the fact that we're in that state um, is a terrible situation. Also, you know, Tucker Carlson's asking him questions that you never thought a former president would be asked or uh, the front runner for the Republican Party would be asked. And he asks is, you know, do you think we're close to civil war? And this is what Trump had to say about it. Do you think we're moving
3: towards civil war? There's tremendous passion and there's tremendous love. Uh, You know, January 6th was a very interesting day because they don't report it properly. Uh, I believe it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. And you know some of the crowds I've spoken before. And uh, like July 4th on the mall, uh, I think they had a million people there. Uh, But I think that The biggest crowd I've ever spoken before was on January 6th, and people that were in that crowd, a very, very small group of people, and we said, patriotically and peacefully, peacefully and patriotically, right? Nobody ever says that. Go peacefully and patriotically. But people that were in that crowd that day, very small group of people went down there, and then there are a lot of scenarios that we can talk about. People in that crowd said it was the most beautiful day they've ever experienced. There was love in that crowd. There was love and unity. I have never seen such spirit and such passion and such love. And I've also never seen simultaneously and from the same people such hatred of what they've done to our country.
0: He's not wrong. I mean, people, his people, his base, do have a hatred. To what's being done To our country The weaponization Of the justice system Wide open borders As we be Being invaded From the south Um this crazy stuff Going on in our schools With gender and, and critical race theory People hate What they see happening To the country Now he He uh Kind of was Wishy-washy On the civil war concept And just basically said People have passion And he's right Uh but uh, but anyway, it's um, it's true. The Trump campaign, uh, or one of the PACs uh, backing Trump, released an ad this week, which I thought was sensational. Uh, and it's about, not Trump, it's about the people who support him. Aver- average, everyday Americans of all walks of life. Uh, I wish you could see the video of it because it shows ordinary people wearing Trump. T-shirts and hats and everything else From all walks of life And uh, I thought it was a sensational commercial Listen
4: They come from different walks of life But all have
5: one thing in common They want their country back Parents who want to take back control Of their children's education Veterans tired of being kicked to the curb They believe in protecting the sanctity of life Securing our borders Standing for the flag kneeling for God above and an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. Hillary made fun of them.
1: You could put half of Trump's supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables.
4: Biden called them a threat.
1: The migrant Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundation of our republic.
3: And DeSantis degradingly called them listless vessels. No, they aren't run. They're great Americans who know there's one person who will always have their backs. I'm Donald J. Trump and I approve this
0: message. Pretty awesome commercial, if you ask me. And it was about the people in this country, the majority of Americans who want our country back and believe the only way we're going to do it is through um, Donald Trump. Now, you can understand, too, that, you know, everybody says, well, it's a deep state. They're going after Donald Trump. They're really not. They're going after his supporters. That's who they're afraid of. They're not afraid of one man. They're afraid of the masses that are pushing back against a deep state takeover of America. And that's what it's all about. Great commercial, though. Now, before we move on um, out of politics, or at least Move on to other aspects of politics uh, I want to talk about the debate uh, They're all losers there they wasting their time They should all drop out of the race And back Trump 100% And call out everything that's bad in this country Including the weaponization of the Justice Department Against the leading uh, candidate for the Republican Party uh, But uh, one stood out And I think it was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy I think I'm finally getting his name down uh, very impressive guy, young guy. I think he's in his 30s, billionaire, self-made, uh, very well-spoken. Uh, and I think he has a great future in the Republican Party. Uh, and I'm going to play a se- you know, just one little segment. He's the only one I'm going to play. I'm not going to bore you with uh, a lot of the debate, uh, but uh, he's great. Uh, but all these other guys, take DeSantis. I like DeSantis. I liked him. I thought he did great things with Florida and the wokeness and the, the vaccine stuff and all that. I thought it was great. He made a big political mistake, though. He should have bided his time and ran in 2028. He's a young guy. Uh, Maybe Trump would have had a position in the administration for him, or he could just stay in Florida and make it the great state that it is, uh, and then run. But no, he couldn't wait. He wanted to take on Trump, and I think that's the biggest mistake he could have made. Because if you you were disloyal to Trump, he's going to destroy you. He already did. We're on DeSanctimus, right? Uh, and his uh, followers are going to turn on you. And that's why he's so low in the Republican polls, because he decided to take on Trump prematurely, uh, and people remember that. And all these Republicans running now, they don't have a chance in hell of getting the nomination, so why are they wasting the political capital? Uh, they should just back him 100%, run in 2028, and see where it takes them. But right now they're damaging their brand because Trump supporters won't forget. All right, so let's play this little uh, snippet from Vivek Ramaswamy. He's talking about education. I think he's a very eloquent speaker.
2: So to the education question, how would you deal with the crisis? So look, we have a crisis of achievement. Let's shut down the head of the snake, the Department of Education. Take that $80 billion, put it in the hands of parents across this country. This is the civil rights issue of our time. Allow any parent to choose where they send their kids to school and the teachers' unions at the local level to allow public schools to compete and then revive our national identity where every high school senior should have to pass the same civics test that, frankly, every immigrant, including my mother, had to pass in order to become a citizen of this country. And the fact of the matter is, look, there's a part of education policy that also rests with the family. I didn't grow up in money, but you know the word privilege gets used a lot? Well, you know what, I did have the ultimate privilege of two parents in the house with a focus on educational achievement, and I want every kid to enjoy that. So part of the problem is we also have a federal government that pays single women more not to have a man in the house than to have a man in the house, contributing to an epidemic of fatherlessness, and I think that goes hand in glove with the education crisis as well because we have to remember education starts with the family, and the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind.
0: Uh, Let's shift gears. I want to talk about Maui. Um, We covered it quite a bit on the Wednesday program and played harrowing accounts of survivors there, what it was like being in those cars, jumping in the ocean, um, just harrowing. If if you haven't heard it, go to the Wednesday podcast. You got to listen to it. I'm not going to play it again. Uh, But this week, uh, Biden, um, I don't even like to call him President Biden. Uh, Biden uh, was shamed into going to Maui. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to get out of bed. Um, but he had to go, uh, twice. He, once he had no comment on the situation. The other time he didn't say anything. He said he had nothing to say. Um, but they had to send him there, which was like pouring gasoline on a fire, pun intended. Um, and it was a horrible, horrible thing for him. First, uh, driving down the road to get there from the airport, people were lining the road, giving him the middle finger Cursing at him, f Joe Biden, had signs uh, denigrating him. Uh, so that's the way it started. Then he goes there, and in his comments, were just horrible, kind of quipping jokes and um, making it all about him. Trying to equivocate that uh, he knows what they're going through because you know, back in two thousand and four, there was a lightning strike by his house, and he had a small kitchen fire that was put out immediately that he almost lost his wife, his Corvette, and his cat. Like that's the same as an entire family being incinerated in a car or a home, all the children that burned to death. And the scope of this is starting to become, it's being covered up. FEMA's covering it up. Maybe they just feel that it's just too horrific. They can't, they can't share it. I don't know, but something's going on down here. It's been 115 deaths uh, for a week now, almost. They haven't changed it. Meanwhile, there's 1,000 people missing. And I played a, um, a segment on Wednesday uh, of a guy who, uh, a testimony of a guy who works for the coroner's office. He said, we, we got 485 remains already. And when we say remains, it's bones, basically. Burned out bodies. That, they can't be identified. But they're still keeping it at 115. Uh, but what a horrific situation there. And uh, Biden w- w- was just... Horrible there uh, It did nothing He would have been Better off not going And I, I like to say That it's because He's senile And that He's not really That callous But he has a history Of being callous His whole career And this is what Newt Gingrich Had to say about him More about his Frail mental state Than anything else uh, He was on Hannity This week uh, And uh, Let's play it
1: Here with reaction Fox News contributor Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich you know, I look at the, the seriousness of, of this, and I watch this guy, and I can't even comprehend how people cannot see that he is not fit for this job. Never mind everything that he said, how embarrassing he's been. You know, the, the, oh, oh, some hot ground, man. Hot ground here, man. And, oh, I almost lost my 67 Corvette. I can really relate to what happened in, in Maui, really, Mr. Speaker? Seriously?
5: Look, I I think this visit to Maui, frankly, is just plain frightening. Uh, How can you have a commander-in-chief who is totally out of touch with reality, who makes up a story which is a lie, who has no understanding of the scale of the disaster which has occurred, who uh, literally has no empathy for the human beings around him, uh, and I think, uh, and of course, as you point out, can't even stay awake. Um, now, I think that people need to look at this not as a political problem, but as a national problem. We have a commander in chief, uh, makes you wonder who's making the decisions in the White House. I personally have a hunch it's Barack Obama. Uh, and you have to wonder, um, how is the system running in a real crisis? How could Joe Biden d- decide anything? It would all be delegated. Uh, and frankly, as an American, I'm ashamed. Uh, Chris and I have been to Lahaina many times. It's a wonderful town. Uh, it's a great historic place. We love Maui uh, and we love uh, that part of the coast. And to see it destroyed like this, to realize that almost like Pompeii in, in Italy, you, you have families, entire families, who were burned to death, who are found now. Uh, I, I saw one report, that firefighters are having a very hard time psychologically going from house to house because the scenes of little children the scenes of families who had gathered in the bathtub in the shower trying to find one last place where there was water I mean all of this and then you learn two big things one that the electric company had asked for several years for approval to spend the money getting rid of the invasive grasses that are at the heart of the fire And they've been turned down because the money was supposed to be spent on going green while they went red and killed people. And second, that you did have a a former Obama official who was a water resource manager who for five hours refused to release the water, who who wanted to talk about uh, how do we make sure that everything's worked out all right. Uh, And and frankly, there's a movement among some of the left-wing nutcakes in, Ohio, in, in uh, Oahu and Maui to not allow water to be used to fight fires. Now, can explain that to me? Uh, they value the, uh, the water going to the taro crop more than the water protecting human beings. I just think that's an extraordinary uh, psychological condition. It's not ideological. It's psychological.
1: You know, I, I I I always used to say there's no such thing as a stupid question, but this is a stupid question. And that would be if this was a Republican, if this was Donald Trump, what would the reaction be, Mr. Speaker?
5: Well, we saw it with George with George W. Bush and, and Katrina. I mean, the the New York Times would be page one. Uh, all the major networks would have horrendous stories. Every single. A uh, person out there who serves on, you know, the NBC, uh, CBS, uh, would be condemning this heartless, cruel. I mean, you have, but you have to say to yourself, this is beyond just being heartless. This guy is nuts. He's out of touch with reality. I mean, how can you stand in Lahaina, surrounded by death, and talk about your sixty-seven Corvette? I mean, it really worries me that this is the guy who's commander-in-chief for the most powerful military in the world. And believe me, every leader on the planet watches Joe Biden collapsing and knows that the U.S. is beginning to be available as a victim because this commander-in-chief, in in fact, is sort of a – I would say he's closer to being uh, a sleeper-in-chief.
0: On the Megyn Kelly podcast uh – You know who Megyn Kelly is. She used to be the babe on Fox News, and uh, she now has her own podcast, a very popular podcast. I I subscribe to it. I recommend it for everybody. Uh, She says it like it is. Uh, You know the good thing about a podcast? You can speak your mind uh, where you're pretty restricted in a newsroom. You read the the teleprompter, uh, and you talk about things that the powers that be in the media want you to talk about. Uh, but you're free on a podcast. And, and she says it like it is. And she called out uh, Biden uh, for the way he handled this uh, Maui crisis.
6: Beach, which is a beautiful beach in Delaware. He's hanging out there when Maui happens. Somebody happens to get him with his shirt off. And they say, you know, M- Mr. President, you have a comment on the number of people dead. I mean, there are 115 people dead. They believe there's going to be p- scores of children who are dead in this thing, Paul. They're still missing almost a 1,000 uh, and he says, no comment. No comment. Like he's George Clooney walking out of the Oscars. You're not George Clooney. You're the president. One word. I don't care you're on the beach. You say, oh my God, it's terrible. My heart goes out to them. My wife's heart goes out too. We'll be making a statement on it soon. I've got my people on it, right? Something, something to show some heart. He gets asked to follow up another day. Similar response. Won't Won't say anything. Would you want to say anything about the people in Maui? No. <laughs> okay. Then he gets shamed on his second back-to-back vacation. He goes from the beaches of Delaware to Lake Tahoe, one of the most beautiful and pristine places in the United States. Uh, It's on the border of Nevada and California. And he's staying in a billionaire's house out there, a big Democrat billionaire. He gets asked there, you know, how about doing something for the people of Maui? Finally, he gets shamed into visiting Maui. He goes to Maui not once but twice. He makes his public remarks about himself referring to how he knows he knows what it's like I'm saying a thousand people could be dead here you've got children dead from fire and he says I know what it's like our house almost burned down my wife almost died we pulled up the associated press report from 2004 said it was insignificant said no one was in any danger said it was a kitchen fire which they got out almost immediately and then President Biden has the nerve to say almost lost my Corvette no one gives a damn about your car no one Stop trying to compare your minor kitchen fire to this, the worst wildfire we've had in American history. But he doesn't have it. He doesn't have that heart thing that tells you, stop, for the love of God, stop.
0: She's absolutely right. She says it like it is. Um, and I listen to Megan Kelly every day. She's great. So uh, one of the worst national tragedies in history, we have a president who doesn't know how to behave himself, uh, it's just a terrible situation. Pray for these people, if you can. Donate some money, not to the Red Cross, not to United Way. Uh, find a local charity. There's a lot of GoFundMe pages. Even if it's ten, twenty bucks, uh, if there's one charity worth giving to, it's it, it's this. And we're going to follow this, and we'll obviously keep you informed on how this thing unwinds. And we find out how many people are actually dead there. Something's not right there. I just don't know what it is. All right, now more and more people are in government handouts. Uh, We've seen uh, food stamp uh, usage uh, increase tremendously over the last few years. Uh, In 2022, the Department of Agriculture's SNAP program spending hit a record high of $119 billion, a six-fold increase over the last two decades. In 2019, taxpayers were on the hook for $4.5 billion per month. By December 2022, monthly food stamp spending soared to $11 billion a month. And that's because Biden's USDA cooked their books to hike food stamp benefits by 27%, the largest permanent increase in program history. And they bypassed Congress to do it. Uh, You know, Congress is supposed to spend money. But Biden always tries to find a way to get around it. Now, I came across a, a video of these people, obviously on government benefits, dancing around and telling you how great it is to get free stuff. <laughs> Isn't that just lovely? Uh, they're talking about EBT cards, which is the card you get that has the food stamps benefits on it. EBT, get it free. Now, what I didn't play for you because it's profane uh, is they said uh, before that, they use a euphemism for making love. And they said, make love, and nine months later, you get the big bucks. And when they said make love, it kind of rhymed with bucks. Uh, And they kept repeating that. Uh, Just get pregnant, and nine months later, you get the big bucks. EBT, get it free. Love my EBT cards. And that's America in 2023. Don't get a job. Just make sure you get your EBT cards. And that's the thing. We're paying. The American government is paying trillions of dollars, basically, for people to stay home. I mean... Some legitimate programs like Social Security uh, that people paid into, but then you have welfare and you have the food stamp program and now we want to forgive student debt. I mean, it's just one thing after the other. We have a society that's dependent on government and that's exactly what they want. They want you dependent on government because that's how they can control you. Bidenomics at work. I, I saw a great meme this week. It said, "Bidenomics has made me stronger. I can now carry $70 in groceries with just my pinky. And a guy, you could see him holding a plastic bag with his pinky uh, due to the inflation that Bidenomics has created. Uh, unbelievable. It's one thing after the other with this country, isn't it? And the whole theme of the show here is we're going downhill pretty quick, right? In every way. In every way. Now, uh, the media now is clamoring to bring back COVID. Um, just when you thought COVID was dead. Uh, we don't talk about it anymore. It's gone. We're done with it. They want to bring back mask mandates. They want to bring back lockdowns again. Listen to, um, and it's all about this new variant. Ooh, this new variant, which apparently doesn't get you any more sicker than any of the other variants. As a matter of fact, as a virus mutates, which it always does, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. It doesn't get stronger. But now they're using rising cases which probably are due to the fact that people get vaccinated or getting COVID, uh, as a, a way to panic everybody and try to bring in COVID lockdown 2.0. Uh, and uh, listen listen to the – one thing about the media you have to know is they get the memo and they all repeat the same stuff. I mean, you could switch channels in the morning shows or any sh- news show and they all say the same thing. So here's a little bit of a mashup of what uh, they're trying to shove down our throats right now. COVID is making a comeback this summer. So many of us would like to leave it in the past. But cases are once again on the rise.
1: Coronavirus cases on the rise. Cases of COVID are once again on the rise, according to the CDC that got up.
0: But again, what they're saying is they're deceiving you. They're making it sound like it's COVID. But it's mainly due to the fact that more and more people are getting COVID that have been vaccinated. But even so, if you look, I, I think I saw it's the statistics the other day. Uh, hospitalizations are down like ninety-two percent over last year. So COVID's not really a thing anymore. It's a, it's the flu with a different name, and now they want to start talking about. Look, you had this week. You had Rutgers announced that you have to be vaccinated to go to school. Uh, a college in, uh, in in Georgia outside of Atlanta. You have to wear masks in school. There's not one case of COVID in the school. But as a profession, because COVID cases are rising, you have to wear a mask. I heard somebody who was saying it. I think it was Waters who was saying it. He says, yeah, they're going to wear a mask all day at school and then make out at night. (laughs) It's like stupid. But it's all about control. Now, Hollywood's getting into the mix. Lionsgate Studios telling all their people, you come to work, you have to have an N95 mask or greater. When you're indoors, they're trying to bring it back again. Next year's an election year. Got to get that fear going. But I think people are not going to comply this time. First of all, people aren't getting the vax. That's gone down a lot. We all know somebody who's been injured or killed by the vaccine, and people aren't going to get it. Uh, forget the boosters and everything else. They want us to take the shot every year. No way. And people have had it with the masks. Uh, they'll have to arrest me before I'll put a mask on again. It's not going to happen. And I think most Americans feel that way. Now, Rand Paul, who's called out Dr. Fauci many times about his lies in front of Congress, about being involved with funding the gain-of-function research in Wuhan. I mean, this guy won't go away. He's supposedly retired, and now he's out there telling everybody that lockdowns, uh, we may need to do them again. The doctor The devil's doctor, I guess you would call him Comes out of nowhere Go away, retire already With your millions of dollars that you got from Pfizer and other vaccine companies Now CBS had on as a guest Sowing this fear Scott Gottlieb Scott Gottlieb, I believe, was the head of the FDA During the Trump administration And approved all the Pfizer Experimental vaccines and all that They have him on as a guest talking about the importance of vaccination and uh, how uh, we're seeing rising cases and trying to sow fear in everybody's heart. But the one thing that they don't tell you is that Scott Gottlieb now is on the board of directors of Pfizer, right? He makes money based on how much vaccines they sell and he's got stock options and everything else. And to not mention the conflict of interest is so disingenuous now Rand Paul recently was on, it was on Fox, and I'm not sure what show it was, uh, and, and he called CBS out for having this guy on number one, uh, but trying to. Uh, Stir fear in everybody again.
1: You know, perhaps CBS might want to put a conflict of interest statement beneath his name on the Chiron saying, Scott Gottlieb, I make a lot more money when we sell more vaccines. And by the way, I like it when the government mandates that they buy my product, I get even more money. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a tragedy. And these people are so conflicted, and it's so dishonest to put people like that on the air to promote a product that they make more money from, promote the hysteria. This defies all logic, it defies science, and it defies common sense. That university that's wanting to mask up and do all this testing, zero cases. But even worse than that, even when COVID was really more potent in 2020, the death rate for young, healthy people turned out to be close to zero. We don't know for sure because the CDC won't release it, but we do know that Germany released all of their data, and not one young, healthy person died, So it's a crime to put them in masks. It's a crime to mandate vaccines, which do have some risks for young, healthy people. And to see this coming up again, these people have no shame. But I promise you, we are not going to lay down and take it again. There will be more resistance the next time, and we will fight back, and we will point out that they are making money off of this. These are not high-minded people. They are making money off of us and making money off of generating hysteria.
0: Watch, it's going to get worse. You're going to hear more and more about the cases going up. Uh, They're going to have false reports on hospital admissions and everything else. I don't think they could pull the wool over our eyes twice. I really don't. And I don't think Americans or or anybody in the whole world are going to go back to that again. Uh, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And uh, all we have to do is not comply. It's that simple. What are they going to do? If everybody shows up in the airport without wearing a mask, what are they going to do? But the problem is uh, people are sheep, and they do what they're told. And maybe there's a change in that coming. I don't know. But they're going to try. They're going to try to bring the masks back. They're already doing it in schools. They're going to try to push the vaccines and mandate them again. Because this new variant... Oh, by the way, the new variant, apparently, according to the CDC... Uh, that the vaccine doesn't do anything for it. doesn't prevent it. So what's the use of getting the vaccine? And then a new variant comes out and the vaccine's no good, but the mRNA gene-changing DNA drug or bioweapons in your system, and it doesn't even work. It's outrageous. How this thing is still available and hasn't been shut down, these vaccines, I don't know. And now they're trying to bring out an MRNA. Pfizer's bringing out a flu vaccine with it in it. Uh, this stuff's going to be in all the vaccines. I'm not sure I'd give my kids any vaccines when they were born now. I don't know what's in them. You know, we we just trust big pharma that, you know, oh, we have to get small packs vaccine. It's just what you do. I tell you, it seems like they're trying to kill us. Uh, uh, I'd be very, very concerned if I had an infant and I had to give them vaccines right now. Something doesn't seem right. All right, let's take a short break. Then we'll come back and we'll wrap up today's program. AFM Investments' Luz Katigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFM
2: Investments.net.
0: Security transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company. Member FINRA, and SIPC, Registered advisory services through our project as advisors. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Market train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate for help with any of your real estate needs as well as any information on a career in real estate call my brother Mark Skatigna a Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty his number is 732-657-6200 that's 732-657-6200 Mark Skatigna Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty give him a call you'll be happy you did welcome back to the financial physician to by Pfizer hey who snuck that in I think I've been hacked No, the financial physician is not brought to you by Pfizer, but virtually every other uh, news media and TV show is brought to you by Pfizer. And that's why they uh, were pushing the vaccine and pushing the hysteria uh, down the line. Let's end the show talking about the woke craziness. Wouldn't be a financial physician show unless we touch base on this because a week doesn't go by where more and more insanity doesn't come out. Uh, Current and former Border Patrol officials torched the Biden administration for prioritizing the celebration of Chest Feeding Awareness Month amid a severely worsening migrant crisis. According to the outlet, the Daily Caller, Customs and Border Protection, uh, sent an agency-wide email on Tuesday promoting National Breast Chest Feeding Awareness Month. The email reaffirmed the CBP's commitment to providing all workers who breast chest feed with quote-unquote lactation support. Okay, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's website provides health equity considerations regarding transgender individuals who chest feed. Under the pages Remember That section, the CDC states transgender and non-binary gendered individuals may give birth and breastfeed or feed at the chest, also known as chest feeding. An uh, individual does not need to have given birth to breastfeed or chestfeed, the CDC continues. Some families may have other preferred terminology for how they feed their babies, such as nursing, chest feeding, or body feeding. Uh, insanity. And meanwhile, these people work at the Border Patrol. As they say, I don't know one guy who's transgender or chest feeds or anything like that. But the fact that government just puts this stuff out It's ridiculous. It's insanity. More and more insanity. How about this one? Uh, headline, leftists cry violence if the Massachusetts Catholic school fully rejects gender ideology and gay advocacy. The Catholic Diocese of Worcester in Massachusetts has implemented a policy in the 21 school at o- schools it oversees prohibiting confused notions of gender ideology and gay activism. The diocese, uh, diocese stresses that its new policy in this new policy that sex and gender are both inseparable and immutable. Sexuality is ordered to the conjugal love of a man and woman within the bond of marriage. Marriage is exclusively for straight couples, and it would not serve anyone's greater good by falsifying the truth. For it's only the truth that frees us for the full life that God offers to each of us. So basically, they're trying to say no gender craziness, uh, and no gay stuff, or anything like that. Uh, And, uh, of course, this is triggering uh, uh, the LGBTQ activists and other radical leftists who have taken the protest and called the policy, quote-unquote, an act of violence. Wow. Like uh, a religious school can't prohibit certain uh, teachings to their kids. Uh, Just unbelievable. Uh, What else do we have here? Court rules against Muslim-led parents demanding op-out, of LGBTQ propaganda in Maryland schools. A district court ruled against parents of students in Montgomery County School District who were demanding to be allowed to opt out of schools teaching LGBTQ propaganda. The parents, who included many of the Muslim faith, were calling for an injunction ahead of August 28th when school is scheduled to begin again. They were originally allowed to opt out their students until the district changed its policy in March. With the help of the Beckett nonprofit law firm, the parents filed a lawsuit against the new policies on the basis that it violated their First Amendment religious rights to freely instruct their children. But, of course, the court, probably run by left-wing radical justices, uh, stated, quote, "...because the plaintiffs have not established any of their claims is likely to succeed on the merits, the court need not address the remaining preliminary injunction factors." Nonetheless, because a constitutional violation is not likely or imminent, it follows that the plaintiffs are not likely to, to suffer immediate, uh, imminent, irreparable harm. It's gobbledygook. It's gobbledygook. They're just trying to say, well, they probably won't succeed. So, what basically they did is the district court decided that parents have no right to to get a notice when extreme ideology is pushed on their elementary age children during story hour. Baxter wrote on social media. So now they're going to bring it up to uh, the Circuit Court of Appeals and all that stuff. But it's just unbelievable. Now, you know that we've heard a lot about this crazy drag queen shows and uh, where kids are going there and they're they're twerking and laying on the floor and doing all kinds of sexual stuff. uh, And parents are bringing their kids. And it's just insanity. Uh, Again, wake me up. I mean, where are we? Uh, It's insane. But there's one drag queen with some sense in his or her head that came out and put out a YouTube video, in full makeup, of course, uh, and listen to what he had to say. Uh, and it's the only person in this whole LGBTQ community that made any sense about anything.
4: What, what in the hell has a drag queen ever done to make you have so much respect for them and admire them so much? Other than put on makeup and, and jump on the floor and ride around and do sexual things on stage. I have absolutely no idea why you would want that to influence your child. Would you want a stripper or a porn star to influence your child? It, it makes no sense at all. A drag queen performs in a nightclub for adults There is a lot of filth that goes on, a lot of sexual stuff that goes on. And backstage, there's a lot of nudity, sex and drugs, okay? So I don't think that this is an avenue you would want your child to explore. They could explore dressing up at home like we all did, like all gay boys did. We all dressed at home and we had a great time. We had a great time with our girlfriends putting on makeup, trying on clothes, things like that. But to actually get them involved in drag is extremely, extremely irresponsible on your part. And I understand you might want to look like you're with it, that you're cool, that you're woke, that you're not a Nazi, that you're not a homophobe, whatever, whatever it may be. But you can raise your child... To be just a normal, regular, everyday child without including them in gay, sexual things.
0: I never thought I'd be in agreement with a drag queen. Uh, But there is a person, at least with some rationality, some common sense, still somewhat insane to dress like a woman and put up all the makeup and a wig, but uh, still had some common sense. And it's the only person I've ever heard in the LGBTQ++ LMNOP community that made any sense to me. Oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least give that person credit for who they are. Uh, The name of that drag queen is Kitty Demure. But the craziness goes on, and we report it to you each and every week right here on the Financial Physician. Uh, Two podcasts a week now. Today's our Sunday podcast goes up by 9 a.m. Sunday morning, Eastern Time. And be sure to tune in for our Wednesday midweek podcast. It'll be up and posted by 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Better yet, when you go to Potomatic, you can get linked over there by the, uh, financial, the Financial Physician website. Follow the program, become a follower, and you'll get uh, an instant email every time I upload a podcast. You want to get in touch with me? My uh, email address is Lou, L O U, at the Financial Physician. Dot com. Love all your emails, any comments about the program, anything I could help you with, feel free to contact me at lou at physician.com. You want to make a no-obligation consultation in my office for a financial review, call my office at 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Or if you want to have a phone consultation if you're out of the area or a Zoom consultation, I'm available for that too. Just call my office at 732 732- 905-8100. Have a great week and be sure to join me for the Wednesday podcast. And don't forget, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far.